Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys about the murder of Janelle Matthews. So get your fire department coffee and let's dive in. So this is a case suggestion from Justin S. So thank you, Justin, for your suggestion. Janelle Matthews was born on February 9th, 1972 to Terry Vera Martinez. And she was born at Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara, California. Terry was her biological mother. And when Janelle was six weeks old, her mom gave her up for adoption in March of 1972. Janelle was then adopted by James and Gloria Matthews. And at the time of our story, Janelle was 12 years old and she was living with her parents and her 16-year-old sister. And she was attending Franklin Middle School. On the night of December 20th, 1984, Janelle had gone out with her middle school choir and was singing Christmas carols at a nearby nursing home. And one of her friends and her friend's mother ended up taking her home and dropping her off somewhere between 8 and 8.30 at night. When she got home, none of her family was home, but the garage door was open. So she just, she went inside and her friend and friend's mother both watched her walk inside the home. It is known that while she was at the house, she did take a message for her father coming from an elementary school where he was the principal. Her father, Jim, came home about an hour later. He had been attending a basketball game for Janelle's older sister, Jennifer. And when he got home, he did see Janelle's shoes and a shawl that were laying by the space heater in the family room. And he said that that was pretty typical when Janelle would watch TV, she would sit really close to the heater, which I kind of giggled when I read that because that was my brother. When at my parents' house, when he was a kid, he would always lay between the couch and the heater and watch TV because he was just so warm there. And I was like, that's just the perfect spot to lay because you just stay nice and cozy. Oh, yeah. I'm always a big fan of laying by the fireplace and watching movies or TV for sure. Yes. So Jim didn't see his daughter in the living room and went to go look for her, starts walking around the house and can't find his daughter anywhere. So he immediately calls police and is like, something is wrong. And luckily, the police took it seriously. They didn't try to say, oh, she's a runaway. They were like, we need to look into this now. So police were at the house most of the night searching for any signs of a struggle, any signs of where Janelle could be. And they didn't find any signs of a struggle or a break in. They did, however, see footprints in the snow around the house. That were too big for Janelle? I I didn't see one way or the other. I'll be honest. I just saw that there were footprints in the snow. Hundreds of people in the community did all come together to help search for Janelle. And that whole night they were out looking for her. I, that's so, that's so nice to hear. I love when we have cases where like the community or neighbors or family all get together and do what they can. I agree. I just think it's important especially in like small towns to really just stand together. You know, if it was your daughter, you'd want the same thing. So I do find it to be very important. Um, And it always makes my heart a little happy in these situations. And where was this at again? 
I don't think I mentioned that. So thank you. It was in Greeley, Colorado. After Janelle was missing, her parents did appear on multiple TV, multiple national talk shows and programs talking about missing children, trying to get the word out about their missing daughter. President Ronald Reagan even mentioned Janelle Matthews in one of his national addresses, letting everyone know that she was missing, which I think is something to note because I doubt that the presidents, most presidents really did that for anybody. Yeah, that's definitely, that goes to show how how big this case apparently was. Um, pretty quickly on, police did obviously check in with Terry Martinez, Janelle's birth mother, to see if she had had any connection to her disappearance. Um, I think in a lot of situations like this where adoption occurs, it is important to check with the birth parents. But they did pretty quickly clear her of any suspicion and they immediately or they pr- pretty much immediately said that she had nothing to do with Janelle's disappearance. Not a lot really happens for a while. So she went missing in 1984 and then in 1992 is really the next thing we have. I mean, there were a few things I'm, I didn't include every single detail, but there were a, a few situations and appearances. Well, a few situations and cases where bodies were being found around the area that potentially matched her description, but then they were all cleared. But in 1992, the South Dakota police had arrested a man that had newspaper clippings about Janelle and other missing children, and they thought he just seemed really suspicious. I don't know what all the reasoning was, if it was strictly because he had these newspaper clippings and but South Dakota police thought that they had their guy. And so Greeley detectives did go to South Dakota. But when they got there, they were like, there's no way that he was in the area at the time of Janelle's disappearance. And then once again, pretty much the case sat cold for a while. Then in 1994, Janelle's parents, Jim and Gloria, did officially declare Janelle dead 10 years after her disappearance. And something that I noticed, and I don't know if they do this in all cases where they're declaring somebody dead but they did use the date that she went missing as her date of death as well which i guess makes sense but i just had never thought about that in the situations where they're declaring people dead and in july of 2019 so about 35 years later janelle's remains were found at an oil and gas place called Greeley oil and her remains indicated that she had died from a single gunshot wound to the head. Were they buried somewhere? So, yes, they had been excavating for a pipeline. And when they were doing that, they ended up finding her bones. How close was it to her home? I don't know the exact distance, but it was in the same town that she had gone missing from. So that sounds like it would point to maybe somebody who lived in the area. Yes. So the family did come out and say that they were really shocked by this announcement. Even though they had declared her dead, they still had that hope inside that maybe she would be found alive just because they'd never found a body. Which I feel like whenever somebody goes missing, like family probably always, always holds on to that a little bit. I don't know how you couldn't, you know, without that closure. So I completely understand. It's just... It's always sad to be reminded of the fact that families are going through such terrible times. So once they found her body, they did attempt to recover any sort of usable DNA from her remains or her clothing, but they weren't able to get anything. I mean, 
as we as i said her body had been found 35 years after she'd gone missing so so that's a long time for something to be buried in a field and then still contain evidence however around this time police did come out and announce a person of interest named stephen pankey and as abby said stephen did live in the same neighborhood as janelle so really the only person that ever came up as a person of interest in this case is Steven or Steve, as I'm going to refer to him. So I'm going to kind of talk to you guys about him a little bit. He did have an interview with CBS 4's Kelly Weatherman, where he said he hasn't lived in Colorado since 1987. Now, really quick, I want you guys to keep in mind all of the things that I say about him. Okay. Wait, I'm so sorry. How do they connect to him again? Let me let me back up. Let me explain that a little better. Because so shortly after Janelle's body is found, police do come out and name a person of interest. And like Abby had guessed, it is somebody who'd previously lived in the same neighborhood as Janelle. And his name is Stephen Pankey. I'm going to refer to him as Steve throughout the rest of the episode. But he's really the only person that ever comes up as a person of interest that we still kind of talk about. So... He did do an interview with CBS4's Kelly Weatherman, where he tells her that he hasn't lived in Colorado since 1987. Now, real quick, I want to let you guys know, I want you guys to really keep in mind all the things that I tell you about him, and specifically what he says in like interviews and stuff like that, because then at the end, I'm going to explain something to you that I think is going to make it seem interesting. Just wait. So... He lived in Colorado, hasn't lived in Colorado since 1987. He did admit that he would often search the internet for any information about her case because it had rattled the community where he lived, was his quote. But he did, he does say that he had nothing to do with Janelle's death. He also says that he had no idea Janelle was missing until six days after she had gone missing. And he claims that he didn't even know who she was until those six days after she had gone missing. Sounds like it was a pretty big case in the area and there were a lot of people searching. Seems like he would have some inclination of what was going on. I would agree. Also, six days is quite specific. Yes. I'm curious to see if you think the exact same things that I thought as I uncovered more of this information. We shall find out. I'm going to guess probably. (laughs) (laughs) So he also had worked as a youth pastor briefly at the Sunnyview Church of the Nazarene, which was the same church that Janelle attended with her family. Uh, Okay, continue. But he says that he left the church before they had become members. For those of you that aren't aware, you can attend a church without being a member of a church. So the family could have been going there when he was youth pastor, just not officially a member. So that part, he wants to make note of that. But I want you guys to also know that that doesn't mean that they weren't already going there. Yeah, and I'm just going to jump in. This happened long enough ago that recalling these details is sketch in and of itself. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) He also said, this is still in that interview that he had with CBS4. So he says that shortly after her remains had been found in 2019, police did show up to question him. And he said that they were really eager to charge him. He also mentioned that he had had many run-ins with the police when he lived in Colorado many years ago. His exact quote was, quote, 
I had a bad relationship with police. I was charged with 20 misdemeanors and all of them failed. End quote. <laughs> what? <laughs> just just a note that he wanted to make, I guess. I think it goes to say something if you're being charged with 20 misdemeanors. There's probably a reason you're being charged. Well, what does he mean they failed too? They He wasn't officially found guilty in them? I don't know. Yeah, like, would he... What? <laughs> That's weird. I mean, because they're just misdemeanors. It's not like he's going to, like sit in front of a jury for some crime so that's a it's an interesting statement for sure he wanted to make note of it he also makes note that he gave his dna to police willingly um once again i'm going to read his exact quote to you he said quote i was trying to be a good guy i was trying to be helpful i just decided to go to the twin falls police and offered to give my dna i assumed if i gave my dna that would be kind be a kind of like knockout blow that would say this guy is not someone you need to bother talking to end quote this is the part where i want to know if you and i went the exact same way in our brains i mean to me it just sounds like he's trying too hard to make it seem like he's innocent like of course why would a guilty person do this well that was my thought with all of this, like the fact that he remembers it was exactly six days or he remembers all of these little details and things that make it seem not accurate. Yeah. Homie's hiding something. And then, yeah, he's just like, oh, you don't want to talk to me because I'm, I'm going to voluntarily give you my DNA. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. And then the thing that I thought I would also just kind of point out that I thought was interesting, his degree is in criminal justice, meaning he has a pretty good idea of, a decent idea at least, of the court system and how this works. So those are just a few interesting facts about him. Something else is in, which I just wanted to point out, he ran for governor in Idaho twice, once in 2014 and once in 2018, which he had a lot of this information, you know. He was not elected as governor, possibly because of this suspicion. I don't know how much people knew about this suspicion at that time, though. Because it wasn't until 2019 that he was officially declared a person of interest. Another interesting comment made by Mr. Steve Pankey was in 2008, he was at his son's funeral where his son had been murdered. And he makes a quote, and this quote his ex-wife tells authorities. Um, but his quote is, I hope God didn't allow this to happen because of Janelle Matthews, end quote. Sketch. I was going to say, tell me that doesn't sound suspicious. So in October of 2020, Stephen Pankey is officially indicted on charges of first degree murder and kidnapping in relation to Janelle's murder. And a lot of people in the, well, a lot of people that knew him personally all said that they were not surprised that he had been arrested for this and that he was being charged with her murder because of 
the way that he had acted. I am curious, though. Like, I mean, this is all very circumstantial. Did they have anything like a witness or anything concrete? No. So the indictment said that he took her from her home between 830 and 930. And then he shot her intentionally and after deliberation that was the indictment but the trial actually just occurred it just finished and it just finished and articles literally were coming out yesterday about this trial but basically during the trial they did say that there's no dna linking him to the crime because they couldn't get anything off of janelle's remains So they only really relied on circumstantial evidence and witnesses testifying to his odd behaviors over the years, but not any witnesses to the actual crime itself. Interesting. So a lot of it comes from his ex-wife and her name's Angela Hicks. So a couple of things that she says that she found suspicious about Steve. One time when they were in the car on the way home from a trip, he was listening to the radio And she described it obsessively, trying to listen to information about Janelle's case. And then when he got home, he, quote, started digging in the backyard. And then a couple days later, a car on his property burst into flames. And so he got rid of the vehicle, which seems slightly suspicious. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, if he was, I guess I don't know if he was convicted, but for it to go to court to this extent, like, the circumstantial had to have been pretty extreme. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's more. That's just one thing that starts out kind of weird. Angela also says that about a month after Janelle had gone missing, their church had a gathering where there was a search group and they were like all praying and stuff. And the pastor said that she would be found alive. Like he was just being hopeful that he would be found alive. And Steve got really upset and started screaming like false prophet at the pastor and to the point where he was so upset and like angry that he had to be escorted out of the church that's definitely odd um another thing that angela said is that steve was a very controlling husband he wouldn't allow her to see her dad he wouldn't allow her to drive he wouldn't allow her to watch any watch any tv or listen to the radio which just seems really weird However, Steve's attorney, Anthony Viorst, did say that Steve's ex didn't end up suspecting Steve of anything until 1999. And that's when she started coming out and saying all this stuff. So that was 15 years after Janelle's murder. I don't know how long they were together. I don't know specifically when they split up. So maybe that was when she felt comfortable being able to talk about it or... I mean, it's also possible. I don't want to say that she's 100% honest, but it's also possible maybe she just decided at that point to start making it up. So the trial lasted five weeks and ended in November of 2021. We're recording this November 9th. So like I said, articles were just being released November 8th regarding the trial. And the court ended up declaring a mistrial on the murder charges. So they're going to retry the case with a second jury. Steven's attorney did say that he's not going to be continuing. He's going to back out. He said it was because he doesn't have the resources to see that through, which he went on to elaborate that it's because he has a small practice and he just doesn't have the time and energy to retry it. It makes me wonder if he knows that it's going to be a lose scene situation. Yeah. It, it just makes me wonder. I don't know. But 
Stephen was ruled guilty of false reporting to authorities. So for that could be sentenced up to six months behind bars. He's already spent more time than that behind bars, though. So his attorney feels like he'll just get credit if that's all he gets. He'll get credit for that time. But he is still currently in jail. His bond remains at $5 million. He's being held. Um, and his next hearing is scheduled for November 17th of 2021. So because we're recording this on November 9th, um, obviously that hearing hasn't come out. If we do have an update for you guys, I'll do a quick thing at the end just to update you guys on what happened with that hearing. If you guys have any information regarding Janelle Matthews' murder, you can contact the Greeley Police Department at 303-350-9670. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.